So today we are back in the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll be discussing this reality that Jesus says that we are salt and light. Starting with the idea of salt, I remember many years back having been to a live event featuring Dr. David Jeremiah. Now, Dr. Jeremiah is most famous for his teachings on end times theology. He believes that one day the church will be raptured from the world, leaving all the non-believers back here on earth to survive until the final judgment. But he did something very interesting before telling us what the world would be like in those days. He took us back to Jesus' statement that you are the salt of the earth. This is a loaded statement. Now, there are a number of applications we can bring to this teaching uh, that we can attach to this statement that Jesus made. But Dr. Jeremiah decided to focus on the function of salt as a preservative. We as the church carry God's word. We preserve the way of God. We preserve the gospel message. Now through political and social involvement, we keep our communities together. We look at places in our country today where the church has been marginalized and what we see happening is that these places become unsanitary, unsafe, and hopeless, where addicts wander the street and once great cities where people used to vacation to are now deemed too dangerous and places to be avoided at all costs. Now, in contrast, you go to places like, say, the Bible Belt. And bear with me, I know that sometimes you think Bible Belt, oh, fundamentalism, judgmentalism, hypocrisy, those sorts of things. But at the very least, they are known for their hospitality and their generosity, not for illicit behaviors. And that makes sense, because salt is a preservative. If salt goes bad, it can only be thrown out. Dr. Jeremiah pointed out that one day the church will be removed, not just from the community, but from the world. And as much as the world complains about the hypocrites in the church or our rigidness or our old-fashioned ways and how incredibly judgmental we are, a world without us is a much different place. Without the preservative quality of the church, the world goes to hell. We carry the Holy Spirit inside of us, and his presence, if his presence is removed from the world, it would be the same as God's absence in hell. People would be left up to their own devices, and they would destroy one another as well as themselves. We are the salt of the world. We need to maintain our saltiness, which, by the way, preserves, flavors, and raises the boiling point. Even the boiling point of the world, if you catch my drift. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This was another profound statement loaded with truth. And before I get into the exact imagery Jesus was using, 
let me prepare you with this illustration because I think that probably most people watching this are familiar with the Statue of Liberty in the United States of America. What I don't think most of you are familiar with is the statue's true meaning. You see, most people derive the meaning of the Statue of Liberty from Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus. And this that makes sense because this poem is displayed actually inside of the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty itself. But it was written significantly later after the Statue of Liberty had been dedicated. Lazarus wrote of the statue, From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And indeed, America has served in many respects as a refuge for those pushed out of their, their own land due to oppression, persecution, and marginalization. Nonetheless, that was not the meaning behind the Statue of Liberty. The meaning of the Statue of Liberty can be found in the words of President Grover Cleveland at the statue's dedication in 1886. Cleveland said, A stream of light shall pierce the darkness of ignorance and man's oppression until liberty enlightens the world. The contrast in meaning is actually significant, and it is instructive to us as the church. The meaning of the new Colossus says, come here, come here, come here, and you will experience freedom, rest, and comfort. What Grover Cleveland was saying was, we are going out with the torch of liberty. You who knew no freedom, now you shall see it. Oppressors around the world, look upon the flame of liberty and tremble. Oppressed people of the world, Follow Lady Liberty, and you shall be free. The light was not merely meant to draw people to the United States of America. It was a symbol that we alone can carry the flame of liberty into a dark world. It reminds me of the story of Moses and the liberation of the Israelites. Moses went into Egypt with the message, Let my people go. Pharaoh's response was, No. God delivered his people and led them as a pillar of cloud during the daytime and a pillar of what? Fire at night. Into the world, to the promised land. And if you follow the conquest of Israel into the land of Canaan, you will see that the light they carried purged the darkness from their presence. Where there was darkness, it was driven out. Where people were oppressed, they were liberated. Rahab saw the light and uh, saw the light coming and joined its company. The Gibeonites saw that their doom was imminent, and so they tricked Joshua into making a treaty with them so that instead of being destroyed by the Israelites, they'd be protected by the Israelites. The Gibeonites saw that it was better to join with the light than to perish with the darkness. All these, however, were not the exact imagery of Jesus' teaching. He used, familiar, uh, he used imagery familiar with the people in that region. 
Jerusalem was a city built upon a hill, Mount Zion. It was strategic to build towns and cities in high places because it was more difficult for invaders to be able to conquer such a place. Now, the downside was that the city then became very visible. When you're a city on a hill, you can't hide yourself. You're sticking out. And so the solution is not to try to hide yourself, but to make yourself as visible as possible. You can't hide a city on a hill, so let its grandeur be seen. To hide the greatness of a city on a hill would be like lighting a candle in your home, only to cover it up and stop its light from shining. And when I think of this imagery, I think of lighting a candle and putting a drinking glass that you can see through over top of it so that you can watch as the flame just sputters out and and dies. That's what happens when you hide your light. It gets extinguished. And as tempting as it is, our task is not to merely reside in our wonderful church or our wonderful homes or our wonderful city and say, come check us out. We got something good going on over here. Now, I'm not going to say that growing a church is a bad thing. What I will say is that there is a certain danger when we merely play the role of host. There is a reason why parks put up signs that say, Do, don't feed the wildlife or don't feed the bears. When you give food to wild animals, they expect more and they expect more. And if you don't give it to them, sometimes you become the meal. In those cases, your goal then becomes appeasement. You are no longer giving because you're generous and kind and all that. You are giving because the alternative is destruction. Likewise, our draw should not be, hey, come to church, we've got cookies. Over time, the one seeking cookies will change the culture of the church and you'll become just another social club. But what if the goodness of the church is reflected outside of the church walls? What if each of us went out into the world and we stood up for God's word? What if we lived out God's word and shared God's word? What if instead of luring people with cookies, we took cookies to them with no strings attached. You might not you might not even have cookies at church per se. Maybe the people at your church just enjoy serving people. Perhaps the draw would become the incorruptible word of God. To take things further, what if we started lighting beacons elsewhere that people could gather and have their lamps lit as well? I think that might make the oppressors a little bit nervous, a little bit worried. In fact, it's no wonder that the Roman Empire felt like they needed to smother the flame before it could grow out of control. If you've ever seen the videos of out-of-control wildfires on the West Coast, you know what I'm talking about. You would realize that not even firefighters can put out that sort of a blaze. So is the mission of our God. Because his flame is an all-consuming fire. So let us spread his glory to all the earth.
I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sundays at 10.30. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.